Josh from Vison, he's a busy guy because he doesn't sleep. You know, they put oxygen in the rooms now. Well, they have to. No. He's <laughs> a busy guy from Vison Sports Betting Radio. And this Sunday, the big game, Josh, it is Super Bowl 58, Las Vegas, Nevada, where you are. Legion Stadium, that's where it's at. CBS is the network. Prime Paramount Plus will be streaming it. And it'll be the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning defending undisputed Super Bowl champs, taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And currently right now, Josh, it is a two-point edge going to the San Francisco 49ers. So this Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. kickoff, in Las Vegas, Nevada, who you got this Sunday, the Chiefs or the Niners? Well, J-Dog, I'm going to go with the Chiefs here, but I think it is a difficult handicap. On the one hand, you know, I try to stick to the data. What is the data saying? It does say that there's some smart money here on the 49ers. Now, this game opens 49ers around a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Immediately got down to minus one. So the early move, once the line opened, you know, back two weeks ago, was toward Kansas City. However, Kansas City is a very popular bet. They're getting upwards of 70% of bets. Public is all over Kansas City. Yet, this line went back up to San Fran, minus one, back up to minus two. So it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, we saw this line get back toward San Francisco. You would, you know, kind of assume that once it kept falling, it maybe get to a pick maybe it would flip to, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs as a one-point favorite. But no, it came back to San Fran. Now, I've been kind of talking to a lot of people i'm in vegas it's been a great time here the buzz the excitement i've been in radio row each day i've been talking to a lot of professional betters and kind of on the one hand it's san francisco is the favorite because the power ratings stay they're the better team from top to bottom but if you're going san fran you may be on you know kind of quote unquote the sharp side which i always try to be on but you're going up against patrick mahomes and patrick mahomes in this spot as an underdog is 10 and 1 Against the spread, remember, he was getting plus one and a half against the Eagles in last year's Super Bowl. Last game against Baltimore, he was a dog getting four and a half. Before that, he was getting three against Buffalo. So it's a tough cap, but I am going to go with the Chiefs here. Playoff dogs, 67% against the spread this year. Super Bowl dogs are 65% against the spread the last 20 years. And to me, J-Dog, it's the chip on the shoulder of Kansas City. Mahomes, when they beat the Ravens, they, he said immediately in the postgame interview on the field, Quote, we've been underdogs the last two games, and we don't feel like underdogs. We've got a lot of guys in this team that know how to win. When the playoffs came around, we knew we were going to make it happen. So the data, the power ratings say San Fran should be a favorite. But I did it last year. I, I took the Eagles like an idiot, and I lost. And I said, I'll never bet against Mahomes as a dog again. I'm going down with the ship, J-Dog. Give me the plus two with Kansas City. <laughs> I'm going with Kansas City as well, and I think it'll be a close one. In fact, I've got it envisioned. This is what I've got in my head, okay? I envisioned it once the Super Bowl matchup was announced. I had it, okay, with seconds to go. Pat Mahomes will throw it to Travis Kelsey with seconds to go for the game-winning touchdown. Pandemonium will happen. The Chiefs will repeat as Super Bowl champions. And then after that, they're going to ask where Travis Kelsey is going. He's going to Disney World. And then... He is going to get down on one knee, and he's going to propose to Taylor Swift. She's going to say yes, and the Super Bowl becomes a love story. Whoa. You know what's wrong with that picture, Josh? He's he's right. At the end of the game, Mahomes, he's on the seven-yard line. He's going wide. He's going to Kelsey. Kelsey looks up at the booth. Kelsey drops the ball. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You know, well, I, say, that'll break the Internet. That'll be. Uh, oh, my goodness. Kelsey. All across the world. 
Kelsey looked up before the ball was in his gut. Kadarius Tony will drop the ball before Travis Kelsey. Does. The, the only reason by both of you why, and I like what he says about the sharp side, uh, Josh, but the only, I thought, and I said my logic is different than both of yours, Kelsey had that game of his life a week or so ago, you know, against the Ravens. You know, what, 11 catches, a career game. Yes, he's going to make some catches. That's what he's paid to do. He's not going to make as many. He won't have as great of a game. I like Boza. None of you mentioned him on the Niners, and I like McCaffrey. I think it's going to be a heck of a game, but I think I think Kansas City is it's tough for them. I think it's they being they they don't want to admit it, but they really are the favorite. Let's face it, and I think it's going to be a good one. But I, I I'm gonna I don't do what you guys do, but I'm going to go with the uh, Niners by by I think it's one of these thirty one twenty eight games. Okay. Again, I don't trust Kyle Shanahan, and I'm not sold on Brock Purdy. So I'm just saying, I think Christian McCaffrey makes this whole offense go. But well, if the Kansas yeah. City defense shuts him down, that means Brock Purdy's got to throw it. And eh, buyer but, beware. To, to J-Doc's point, Josh, do, do the Niners have a chance to really rattle? It's very hard. Mahomes is probably the hardest player, hardest quarterback in the NFL for a long time to rattle. Can they rattle him? I mean, they do have the, the talent to do it. I mean, if you can get your edge rushers, you know, in between Bosa and, and Young and Armstead in the middle, and they got great linebackers as well. So I think if they can pressure him and maybe force him into some mistakes, that's probably the game plan. But also, you know, you look at the defensive backfield of San Fran, I mean, they got kind of lit up by Jordan Love, by Goff. They've been giving up a lot of passing yards. Yeah. And on the flip side, the Chiefs aren't quite as high-powered as we've seen last two years, but this is their best defense. So I think you know, if you flip it the other way and say, you know, I think Purdy it could be in for a, a tough spot here against Spagnuolo well, and uh, the defense that Kansas City has. So, but yeah, it's really interesting just being around here in Vegas. You know, it's a lot. It's really split. A lot of people like Niners. A lot of people like Kansas well, City. The public's fully on KC. But again, the Reed Mahomes experience factor and having beaten them, yeah. you know, a few years ago. To me, it, if I were to if guys, if I were to bet Kansas City and, and, the, and the Chiefs, or sorry, if I were to bet San Fran and the Chiefs win, I, I couldn't sleep at night. I, if I bet Kansas City and they lose, it is what it is. I think yeah, I no, it's a safe. You go down the ship with tape. Yeah, no, I get it. Good choices, Josh. We're gonna let you go and get your sleep or take a nap. But uh, you know, if that's the case with Purdy, he should do what the Ravens did not. I mean, Tony Romo's up in the booth saying, "Run the ball, run the ball." And you know what? <clears throat> they got McCaffrey. He's good enough to get the ball to McCaffrey and turn around, just let him go. But all right, great stuff, j Great stuff, Josh. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, guys. John Decker, our own White House correspondent, on a Friday morning. Interesting stories. The special counsel is sort of the uh, ruling out on the Biden classified documents. Interesting findings, but no charges. And more questions on the oral arguments of the Supreme Court regarding uh, former President Donald Trump. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning to you, Jack. Let's uh, first talk about uh, the initial news of the day. That was the arguments taking place at the U.S. Supreme Court. I was in the Supreme Court for those oral arguments. I'm a member of the Supreme Court bar. It's always fascinating and exciting for me to be in the court. Yesterday was a good day for Donald Trump. I think that my sense was in listening to those two hours of oral arguments that the Supreme Court largely is going to overturn the decision by the Colorado Supreme Court, their decision removed Donald Trump's name from the election ballot. And liberal and conservative justices very concerned, skeptical about that action taken by the Colorado Supreme Court. We're likely to see a decision by the court on this case, perhaps within seven to 10 days. And then you also mentioned the special counsel's report, which came out, which in which uh, the special counsel declined to recommend charges against 
Joe Biden for his willful retention and sharing of classified information with his ghostwriter after he was president. But the real news out of that special counsel report was the way that he described Joe Biden really feeds into that narrative that many people have of him in terms of him being elderly, forgetful. Uh, those types of things are really problematic as he runs for re-election. Great stuff. Thank you, John Decker, on this Friday. Who, who do you have, Chiefs or Niners, with your legal view? I got the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs because you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. He's a phenomenal athlete, great yes. quarterback, great leader, and I just don't see KC losing to San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Good stuff. Thanks, John. Thank you. Kevin Landrigan, New Hampshire New Leader, senior political reporter, can talk about, but he may want to talk about the presidential race, but it kind of is the presidential race. How is it okay for a special counsel to spend all this time investigating the secret documents, classified documents in and around Joe Biden, including those in his garage next to his spiffy Corvette? We don't hear about that anymore, thank goodness. His beach house and his house. And then he knowingly shares classified top secret documents with a ghostwriter for his 2017 memoir, which he made money from. And that's okay. And then they do a search and raid a Mar-a-Lago at Trump's place like Vladimir Putin is holding the documents and go through his sock drawers. I mean, this is, these are the optics. And then the special counsel said he seems kind of confused on a lot of things. I mean, that's going to, oh, that's from a special counsel talking to Biden about the documents. But then again, you're talking about the same president who thought he was talking to the German chancellor who passed away, you know, uh, seven, seven years ago. Just a few years ago, he was having a conversation with Mr. Cole, even though it was Merkel he was talking to at the time at the G G7 or whatever. So this is what we deal with. Kevin Landrigan, good Friday morning. How are you? Hey, great to be with you, Jack. No shortage of stuff to talk about. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, that's a, that whole special counsel report is a, it's a political bomb that just got dropped last night because it's really going to affect how people view the mental acuity of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I mean, this what happened with the president, he sat down for a five-hour interview with this special counsel and mm -hmm. with no holds barred, asked me anything, which, by the way, Donald Trump didn't do when mm -hmm. they were investigating him about documents. I mean, he mm -hmm. was he's been in front of enough lawyers as a businessman over decades to know you just don't sit down with yeah. someone investigating you and have them ask whatever they want. Yeah. Without even counsel present, we're not even sure the president had counsel present with him. But at any rate, throughout that interview, Biden was clearly confused, including at times couldn't remember when he was vice president, as well as issues about when his son, Bo, passed away from cancer. Mm -hmm. And this is why Biden, during a press conference with reporters last night at the White House, got very combative with them when he when people asked him questions about, doesn't this speak to whether you have yeah. the mental you know, acuity to yeah. serve another four years as president? And he said, I absolutely do. And a lot of those questions were out of bounds in that report. He had no business making these kind of comments. The White House put out a statement after the president had spoken, essentially saying this is really inappropriate behavior for a special counsel to <laughs> to issue these kind of comments in a report such as this. And we we vigorously disagree with this characterization, how Biden was during the interview. This thing isn't over, and it's going to play out now for the weeks and months to come. And it's obviously going to affect how voters take a look at both these people yeah. once we get into this kind of inevitable yeah. showdown between the two of them. 
you know, Trump is Trump. But Kevin, I gotta, I just have to say this. I, it's it's a, a big football game Sunday, so a lot of people are chilling out, already thinking about the uh, guacamole and the appetizers. But yeah. how how are Democrats who want to do well and retain the White House in twenty twenty four? How are they just okay with everything you just talked about with Joe Biden? You know, the just the forgetfulness. It's clear he's doesn't know from day to day. You know, he's openly said things this week at events. He's clearly in and out. And and it happens to some people when they start to have some cognitive issues. You know, it's a sad reality on health. He's 81 years old. I don't wish that on anyone. That's my point. But how are the Democrats like this is all OK? We're going to just prop him up again. And this is our nominee. And this is OK. And a lot of people aren't going to care if he knows what day it is. How How is that OK? I don't get that. Well, I mean, he's the incumbent president, so he's got all the powers of the office. And yeah, but okay, let me just let me just that's, step that's in there for the one minute. Piece of this, well, that is the right. other piece of this that most people, I don't think, on a day-to-day basis, like you said, when they're more concerned about whether Mahomes will do the run and pass option well yeah, yeah. on Sunday, the so much of the bureaucracy around the president essentially executes his job. Every I understand. Day. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that person needs to know what day it is and needs to be able to sign his own name. But so many things are done but, for you, but when, you when you're the leader of the free world. Oh, so, I get that, Kevin. And, I get that. And, and, and so as a result, so as a result, the 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 power structure around the president is always about preserving the power of the office. I mean, they're not going to give it up. OK. No, I understand. I understand. And and my point is this is this is why Dean Phillips ran for president, because he basically said no one else will speak the loud truth, which is this president can't serve another four year, four years cognitively and do the job that we want him to do. So I'm going to run. And he was the only one willing to do it. A whole lot of people looked at this. You remember Gavin Newsom. I understand. There are all kinds of people out there who took a look at this and basically decided at the end of the day, hey, he's the president. He's got all the money. He's got the party party infrastructure behind him. There's no way we can take him out unless he goes voluntarily. Okay, but here's my. I I, I agree with everything you said. I agree. I agree with a good analysis of the power. But here's my here's my concern is the power. And who's making decisions? Because, Kevin, right. I when, when uh, Andrew Card was White House chief of staff and the kids were doing one of those trips, the president then, G.W. Bush, was at his ranch in Texas. So commander chief wasn't at the White House. We got a, one of those little tours for the kids. And I couldn't really go into the situational room in the basement. Condoleezza Rice at the time, there was a lot of stuff. But we, I was able to talk with the chief of staff about what happens and how it works. And you've seen it in movies. When the president will convene his top team and they have to make a decision whether to strike Syria or strike back at Iranian targets or something serious in the Middle East. And you sit around and you look at the chairs and you look at all the people in the room. But ultimately, people elect one person, a commander in chief, the president of the United States, who has to make that decision. And what I'm saying to you, Kevin, it's pretty clear to me that Joe Biden doesn't know how many people last year came into this country illegally. He doesn't know the difference between some of those Iranian-backed terrorist groups in Syria and Hamas. And if you asked him quickly anything about what's going on in the Middle East, I don't know what his answer would be. And that scares me because you elect someone to at least have the cognitive awareness to sit there in case one of your generals is off the ranch or someone wants to do something greater to Tehran to say, no, no, I'm the president. We're not going to do that. And I don't know who's making those decisions, Kevin. That's my point. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a valid concern. I think that's, and a lot of voters, as I say, this is, this issue isn't going away and it's yeah. going to, it's going to affect in a major way the decisions voters make this November about both these people, whether one, in their view, whether one has the, basically in, yeah, the moral character to be put back in office. That'd be and, Donald and, Trump. And I the other, switch. does yeah. he have, does he have the intelligence to serve another four years? And real quickly, our, yep. our, our, our leaders watch this stuff. I mean, our, our adversaries, they watch, they've already read. I mean, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mos- Moscow and Tehran. Hold on, hold on, hold on. About the, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That he did where, the interview that he did where he couldn't remember, keep in mind, I'm, I'm making a cogent point here, which is it came the day after October 7th. Yeah. This was the day after we, the, the, Israel, the Hamas attack. Uh, exactly. And so yeah. that was obviously a stressful day, and he probably, probably was up all night following all those events. The next day he goes in for this five-hour interview and clearly wasn't but, with the program. I'm just but, but trying to just, explain to you that maybe no, that's something to do with it. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah, but that's not – well, what happens the next day if they attacked again? you got to be on the game 24-7. And real quickly, real quickly, you, the China – Tehran, North Korea, they've all read about the special counsel report well, you know, that came out yesterday about Biden's forgetfulness, and they're just sitting there. They, they're aware. Hey, real quickly, I want to ask you about South Carolina, but I think we have Jeff from Alexandria. A very quick point. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Hi, hi, Jack and uh, Kevin. Right. Yeah. 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 Hi, Kevin. It's Jeff Frost. But yeah, Jeff. what I'm, your your point, both of your points is those people that are controlling Biden, they weren't elected by we the people. So what you're getting is just another. 90% bureaucracy of Democrats. And, you know, I know your party is the Democrats, but, you know, for, for Kevin, well, and, I don't know uh, if it that's is with the Kevin. problem no. right there. Yeah. We don't know who we're voting for anymore, right. and we're not, we're not given a chance to even decide who the candidates are. Yeah. The money in Washington is doing that. Yeah, that's I think a lot of people, no, a lot of people feel I'll the way. Thanks, the Jeff. Answer. Thank you, Jeff. And Kevin doesn't really have a party that I know of. He's one of the best. Kevin, no, real I'm quickly. Not, I'm not, I've never been a Democrat. I'm a registered independent and have been yeah. ever since I was old yeah, enough no. to vote. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're down the middle. Kevin, real quickly, South Carolina, if the polls yeah. continue to look daunting, does Nikki Haley stay in this thing, you know, in a few weeks or does she, does she go through a, a you know, a pounding there? If that's what's going to happen, it may not, but it feels like Trump's going to, you know, pull away on this thing. Yeah, it does. And, and, and the problem for her is then what? You go to Super Tuesday, and right now, the closest race is Massachusetts. You know, more than a dozen states will vote on March 5th, Super Tuesday. Closest state is Massachusetts. She's bound by 41 points to Trump in Massachusetts. So she not only has to do well enough in South Carolina to survive, but where does she go after that, even if she does do decently but still loses? You know, I mean, that's that's a big problem. I mean, right now, the money hasn't dried up, but you begin to question whether if Trump really thumps her in her own state, whether a lot of big money people will essentially say, you know, the game's over. We're moving on. And they may not, they're not going to go to Trump, but then it becomes, okay, is there, is there a no labels candidate? Is there, is there another third party? Is Joe Manchin interested in running? You know, if it's Trump Biden and maybe the money then goes there because it's the alternative to the two they don't want. Yeah, good stuff, Kevin. That was feisty stuff, feisty stuff. Kevin Landigan, New Hampshire Union Leader, senior reporter. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Have a great weekend. Someone who does a lot of the opinion stuff for the Denver Post, also a professor of communication and journalism, political science, and 
radio and television commentator as well. Krista Kafer joining us, one of the six Colorado voters who brought the case to keep Donald Trump off the ballot and their Supreme Court decision in Colorado, citing the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment. And she's now joining us to talk about the mission there and her thoughts on it today. Good morning, Krista. Good morning, New Hampshire. Great That's to be right. here. That's right. That's right. We could ask you a lot of things about the presidential race here, but we'll hold that. What was your thought process behind this? Some would say we've seen the Secretary of State in Maine do something. We just had John Decker, our own White House correspondent. He's a member of the bar, sat through the oral arguments yesterday. He didn't think they went terribly well for those who want Trump off the ballot in terms of the oral arguments. Why do you think he should be, and what has he been convicted of as it pertains to the uh, 14th Amendment? Well, this isn't about a conviction because this is about civil court. So we've put a civil suit into the courts back in late, kind of late summer. We ended up having a hearing there. Then we went to the Colorado Supreme Court and then on to the U.S. Supreme Court. And what we've uh, we've been pushing all along is that if you look at the plain text of the 14th Amendment, the third clause, it says that those who held office took an oath of oath to the Constitution and then turned their back on that oath and fomented or participated in insurrection that they can't run again. And it seems very clear that that Donald Trump did those things, that he is not eligible to be on the ballot. And yesterday we had our day in court here in the uh, the nation's capital. And again, this, uh, the Colorado court acting. But so civil versus criminal, I get that. We've seen that in the New York business case against Trump. By the way, Krista Kay for joining us. Good morning, Hampshire, the Pulse of an H and our network of news talk stations up into Portland, Maine. Krista, I guess the question comes back to, though, because we saw this in the Secretary of State of Maine make this ruling. Uh, so you read the, the in other states have tried this. You, re, you look at the 14th Amendment, you read it, you look at it. But is it still a stretch to say that Trump did something without any doubt that should keep him from running again? I have no doubt. I mean, if you, if you look at it, he, he on the day after the election, and I voted for him back in 2020, yeah. but the day after the election, he decided that he did not want to accept loss, that he did not want to accept the fact that Biden won. He continued to push a positive narrative or false narrative and continues to push that false narrative to this day. He tried 62 times in the court to overturn the will of the people, to disenfranchise 80 million Americans, Americans that I didn't vote the same as, Americans that are Democrats, most likely some Republicans. But I have to stand up for those 80 million people. I have to stand up for our capital, which was attacked by Trump supporters at his relative to his command, the things he'd been saying for several months, the things he had said that day, to fight like hell, to get down there, to stop the peaceful transfer of power. That is insurrection, and that makes him ineligible to be on the to be on the ballot. Well, we'll see where it goes from here. Krista, in general, though, because you obviously pay attention to the overall race, and despite all the legal cases, despite what you're saying in Colorado or what happened in the Capitol on the breach, I won't get into details on how many people were outside, but obviously the violent breach of the Capitol, not a good thing, the loss of life. But all that said and done, why do you think as a commentator and a political science journalism expert that Trump, despite all the legal distractions, because I was thinking overnight, look at the serious people that ran in the Republican primary early on in New Hampshire, Mike Pompeo former Secretary of State, CIA Director Mike Pence, Christy Ramaswamy, and I could go on, and DeSantis, the Florida governor, when he got reelected, he was the number one Republican in the country, the number one draft choice to go, and the only one standing is Nikki Haley, arguably 20 or 30 points behind Trump, even in her home state. Why is Trump rolling through the Republican primary process, given the doubts that you've raised? 
Well, I think there's a couple of different factors. I know a lot of people have left the Republican Party, and those people were not not Trump supporters, are now independent voters. And he can still continues to be popular among many Republicans. I think it's a combination of of name recognition and also the fact that some Republicans feel bullied and they want someone to bully back for them. I get that. I understand that at an emotional level. But at some point, we have to say the Constitution has to come first. Our democracy has to come first. We cannot have somebody who tried to subvert that democracy, even if we agree with him on most of the, the policies. And I certainly appreciate his judges. I appreciate some of his policies. But we cannot have someone like that on the ballot. We certainly can't have someone like that in the White House. Real quickly, Krista, if you don't mind, if I just switch gears before I let you go, I do appreciate your time. Krista Kafer and those are with K's, Krista Kafer, K-E-F-E-R, if you want to check out her stuff. She is big with the Denver Post on the opinion columnist side. She's also a professor of communication and journalism and political science and does a lot of what we're doing right now. Krista, this special counsel report on current President Joe Biden and the handling of his classified documents, because that brings up another contrast. People remember Right or wrong, the, the 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 search, the massive search at Trump's house to get the documents out. And you could say he wasn't giving them up, his lawyers, all this stuff. So that's one thing. But the special counsel saying, counsel saying that Biden knowingly used some of these top secret classified documents to get to a ghostwriter for a 2017 memoir that he probably profited from was forgetful, but obviously handled them, knowingly had them, shouldn't have had them longer than he had them, but no charges. Again, no charges doesn't rise to the level of charges. He was confused in the five-hour deposition or interview, but but why is that okay? Oh, it's certainly not okay. And I, I would hope that Democrats out there that are listening to this think, you know, somebody's got to run from him, run against him in the primary. And, and I know there's a few minor candidates out there if you are a Democrat, take it seriously. During this primary time, you have a chance to, 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 to switch guys, switch to somebody who isn't going to keep classified documents. And I would say the same thing to Republicans because Trump did the same. We can do better. We are a better people. We should have better men and women running for office. Krista, thanks for the time. Only for fun stuff. Are you, are you paying attention at all the Sunday afternoon? It is the big game. I love to get different opinion. And if you are, Chiefs or Niners? You know, I could go either way. I'm one of those weirdos. I probably won't be watching it. I'll probably do, be doing something else. <laughs> well, the, plenty to do, I guess. Thank you very much, Krista. Thanks for joining us. You Good morning, Hampshire, the pulse of an H. Thank you. Have a great day. Deputy Commissioner for Safety, the state of New Hampshire, the, a great one at that and a great person and leader out there, does a lot in the veterans community as well for Veterans Count. But Commissioner Eddie Edwards talking about some safety as we head into a big social weekend with kind of a big football game on the world's biggest stage Sunday afternoon. Commissioner, thanks for being with us. Morning, Jack. Thanks for having me. Give me a little time to talk about safety this morning. Well, take it away. That's your that's your that's your sweet spot. And I know this we had uh Trooper Provenza on yesterday, our auto fair segment on the special enforcement unit, but take it away, sir. The time is yours. Yeah, well thanks again. And and one of the things we just want every citizen to be aware of and every visitor to our state, particularly focused on Super Bowl uh, weekend, 50, uh, Super Bowl 58 weekend, is that we're going to have about 100 police departments partnering with the state police across the state of New Hampshire, specifically looking for drunk, impaired drivers on our roadways. We really want to send a message that is zero tolerance in the state of New Hampshire for driving on the roads impaired. And there's no excuse for it. There are plenty of options, just like these two teams, the, the uh, 49ers and the Chiefs. They do a lot of preparation and planning before the big game, and we want all of our citizens here to do the same thing. A lot of preparation and planning. If you're going to be out and you're going to have some drinks, make sure you have a designated driver. Plan for that. 
we're looking for a zero score on the number of fatalities in our state or crashes, certainly arrests. So it'd be great to have a Super Bowl weekend where we have zero fatalities and zero arrests for impaired driving. That'd be a big mark. And one of the things we like to make sure people are aware of is that when you when you drink, you feel differently, and when you feel differently, you drive differently. And if we just get that across to people, you know, if you feel different, you drive different. Well, Commissioner, thank you on the zero zero. The other thing with Trooper Provenza yesterday is we were going over, maybe you could elaborate given your background, which is quite deep on this subject area, given your time in liquor enforcement as well as a chief and now a deputy commissioner for the state, is impairment. Impairment's impairment, and impairment can be a combination of things, correct? Oh, absolutely. We have a we have an increase in poly drug use, and that's where people are taking more than one substance. You know, uh, drug-impaired drivers remain a problem, a challenge, and we're doing all we can both to focus on a awareness message, but also enforcement. And that's in that combination, we can reduce the number of fatalities out there, but we have to have a partnership. And those who are using illicit drugs uh, or sometimes legal drugs, prescription drugs, and with alcohol or driving on an influence of a prescription drug, all those are inappropriate behaviors. And there, as I said earlier, there's just no excuse for driving impaired in the right. state in 2024. And the other thing, uh, Commissioner Edwards, maybe you can amplify or correct me or, or validate this, that sometimes people might be not on an illicit drug or drinking, but they could be on prescribed medications. They might have come on off a of surgery in a few weeks ago, could be all kinds of stuff, but actual prescription medications that was prescribed from a doctor and they went to their pharmacy. And sometimes these do alter your alertness and awareness, especially if you mix it with a glass of wine or two, correct? Absolutely. Sometimes... Even if you don't mix it with alcohol, you know, drugs, we have a program called the DRE program. It was just a drug recognition expert program that we have quite a few officers trained across the state and certainly with the state police. And these officers specializing, specialize in detecting those who operating on the influence of drugs. Now, that, as you said, it could be a prescription drug or it could be an illicit drug. Either way, anything that impairs your ability to operate a motor vehicle safely is illegal. And those are the things they're out looking for this entire weekend. As again, we have a hundred police departments participating with, along with the state police. And that's the entire focus this weekend is looking for folks who are driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol. And so again, we're hoping that people will plan, plan ahead and have a designated driver. Well, good stuff. I appreciate again the zero, zero, certainly zero fatalities, you know, one's too many and. People don't realize how quickly it can happen. You know, you fall asleep, you're not paying attention, you're driving fast, and you you, you hit another vehicle. There could be kids in it, and it definitely is a, it's definitely a, an important time to think about that always, not just on the weekend or the eve eve of a big game. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you, sir. Have a great right. weekend. Good morning, New Hampshire, powered by Sig Sauer. Now back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, Erin Real, NBC News Radio, national correspondent, one of the great ones. She can talk about everything from the economy to stuff on the social media side to healthcare. But she doesn't. She she thinks she's calling in with a news report. But we're putting her on the line. We want to know what the goodies are in the Real household Sunday afternoon. What the apps are. We want you to pick the game. Tell us why you're going with whatever team. I love this question. So to keep the equilibrium in my house. My husband is a Joe Montana fan when he played for the Niners. So we're yep. rooting for the Niners. However, my indifference runs pretty high. <laughs> and then <laughs> for the one. food, I am buffaloing through and through. I think they're delicious. They're wonderful. And we're going to have those. What about you? What, what's your call on both? 
I, I cook a lot. I love to cook, but on this one, uh, it's a it's a sister in law and a and a smarter, prettier, better half or whatever they come up with because I've already been instructed. Other than the refrigerator out, they're doing all these special specialty stuff, and I don't know, probably some ribs. <laughs> Who knows? It should be a good one though. And uh, certainly the world's biggest stage, Vegas. And then you add the Taylor Swift factors, Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey. What a show. All right, Aaron, on the news side, news talk, what do you have? Yes. And speaking of that, we're actually, I, I was just going over some of the numbers. StubHub says it's going to be some of the most expensive numbers there are. $6,800 for a ticket. That, that's just wow. incredible. It's going up. And yeah, you need you need 10 Gs if you want to go to the Super Bowl nowadays, which is pretty ridiculous. And that's per person. But the story we were talking about is that a lot of people putting all of the things on credit card. Average credit card balance right now, uh-huh. $6,300. Yeah. All-time high. This is according to TransUnion. Our outstanding CC debt altogether, $1.13 trillion. This is not a good look, Jack. Balances are 10% higher from a year ago. We are also seeing more subprime credit cards issued. That's people with credit scores of 600 or lower. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this, this is not people being, you know, reckless and going out and spending willy-nilly. This is people trying to get by gas, food, emergency mm-hmm. medical expenses. Yeah. We haven't had earnest wage growth in 20 years. I scream it from the rooftops and I will continue to do so until there is wage growth. When you're looking at 3.4% inflation, better than 9% that we had in June of 2022. But still, if you haven't had a 3.5% raise, you're behind. Yep. And, you know, again, even a combined income, let's just say a couple hundred thousand dollars a year with the price of houses and renting and inflation, it's not what it used to be. I mean, you can take 50 or 70 right off the top and it's tough. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can't even afford if you're in healthcare, law enforcement, teaching, hospitality, and you live in a popular area, you can't even afford to rent or buy a home in the town you work. It's, It's getting pretty, pretty lopsided. But thank you, Aaron. Thank you. I enjoy the game. Aaron Real, I'm seeing his radio national correspondent. Rory O'Neill, I'm seeing his radio national correspondent. Good morning, Rory. Hey, Jack. Good morning. What do you have for us? We can talk Super Bowl if you'd like, because all of that, you know, you laugh, you bring up some very serious issues, but we just had the Senate complete its work and it's now taken off for two weeks. So we'll see politics sort of hit the back burner until Washington gets back together. But all of our attention is going to be focused on the big game on Sunday. Looks like 115 million people may turn in that uh, tune in, which would be a record to watch the game on Sunday night. And they're also saying now one in four of us is placing a bet on the game at some point, either through an official sports book or just uh, like an office pool or something. Twenty three point one billion dollars being wow. bet on Sunday's game. Do you bet? Are you a better? I am not. Nope. Yeah. J Dog, you don't you you predict with Josh. We're going to hear your thing in Beast Sports, but you don't you don't actually bet, Dog, do you? If I did, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> if I did, <laughs> or maybe yeah. that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. I think this is going to be a fun one, and I think people need distraction. But you know what? And the Senate's so overworked. Let's give them two weeks off. But thank you, Rory. Exactly. Thanks, Jack. Have hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to let you sure. off the hook. Give us a prediction from Rory O'Neill and. Well, considering considering Taylor Swift, I'm going with the Chiefs with 13 points. 13. Well, well, it could be. Could be. Thank you, Rory. That's her, that's her number. All right. Thanks, Jack. Senate President Jeb Bradley on a Friday. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Jack. How are you? Good. Do you want to just take a stab at any of this or do you want to talk local? No, I, you know, I mean, I saw the clips of that press conference last night and saw the story about documents. I mean, again, a double standard of, of justice. That's first and you know right. foremost. But then secondly, 
you know, the report of the special prosecutor was almost politically more damning than an indictment. They basically confirmed what we all see every day. And then you have, you know, President Biden talking to the nation last night, claiming he put this country back on its feet when we have an invasion on the southern border, (laughs) fentanyl all over the country. Inflation is, you know, bad. Crime is way up. And but you, you and know, I know we're in several wars around the world. So you know, you and I know. Senate, I think the country you, has not been put back on its feet. But but that that's not even in all due respect, Senate President Jeb Bradley. That's not even you know and I know that the only reason why he kept pivoting that is they told him when you go out there tonight, you keep saying, "Don't you know what I've done as president?" You keep saying that's your only answer. Don't don't answer questions about your memory. You just keep saying, "Don't you damn it? Don't you damn it? Don't you know what I did as president?" Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, he's an angry old man. Well, that happens with that. Also, so, happens that if you want to be objective and sensitive, that happens with memory loss is agitation. And but you're president, yeah, you, yeah. you don't want to be agitated. It makes it look like there's more to see here. And then the last thing is, you know better than me, Senator. There's a lot of talk about the Fourteenth Amendment and whether or not Donald Trump, like Secretary of State Maine, should be on the ballot because of the insurrection clause. Walk us through. Because you served in Congress, there's another amendment called the 25th Amendment about a president being physically or mentally incapacitated. We just had one member of Congress yesterday raise this after this report. I think that's if you're a chairman, forget politics. I mean, if you're chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Senator Bradley, or you're Secretary of State Blinken and you're at a table and you have serious concerns about the capacity of the president, commander in chief, don't you have a moral and an actually a constitutional obligation to put your hand up and question this. If he honestly is the commander in chief overseeing airstrikes in the Middle East and he's not sure of what date he was vice president. I mean, Jack, the answer is absolutely yes. But the only thing that's probably preventing more discussion about that is guess who's vice president. I mean, she's even, you know, less popular and, you know, many would say not capable either. So there you have it. I mean, country's kind of in a mess and joe biden's president and you know i get that a lot of people don't like donald trump but you know we weren't in all these foreign conflicts that we're in we weren't being invaded in the southern border crime wasn't through the roof and inflation was yeah you know wasn't a problem and we had plenty of energy so i don't know we'll see what happens what else is on your docket today You know, we passed in the Senate yesterday a change in the primary voting schedule would not apply in 2024. Not the presidential primary, but the state primaries there normally in September, which, you know, is really an incumbent protection act. So we had passed something a couple of years ago to move it to August, which would have been better. Governor Sununu didn't agree with that, vetoed it. So we're back at it again. With a primary in June being proposed, if it passes the House and the governor signs it in 2026, that would change. And, you know, the, having run on for Congress four times, I, I can tell you that it's difficult, you know, to mount a general election campaign with only seven or eight weeks between the primary and the general election. So it just it does tend to. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican incumbent or a Democrat incumbent. It, it protects incumbents. And, you know, I think people say, okay, we should look at that. 
No, all right. All right. Well, we're not letting anyone off the hook today without going on a limb here or at least giving us give us your prediction Sunday. Chiefs and Niners, what do you have? Well, I know the Chiefs are favored. I just don't think their offense is as strong as it has been in previous years. And, you know, if Brock Purdy plays pretty well, I think that San Fran, you know, could win. But both teams have pretty good defenses. So it's, I think it's going to be a good game and a close game. But I'm picking San Fran. I'm with you. J-Dog's not, but I'm with you. All right, Senator, what you go on this Friday, Senate President Jeb Bradley. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Take care.